Hello everyone, I'm Alex. And my name is Desi. And uh, what we're doing today is going, we're just going on to this platform uh, just sort of to encourage our, our brothers and sisters, both that are here with us in Brownsville and also brothers and sisters that are outside. But we just want to, uh, during this time, uh, bring this up in, a, in like a series of encouragement videos to kind of help everyone through, to guide you, to encourage you. And I know that, you know, I don't know everything, but at the, we don't know everything. But at the same time, this is, you know, it's the same way that you may be strongly, we're also struggling. But we're just bringing all of this here as an encouragement to you to help you during this time. You know, if you have any struggles, then, you know, we share in the same struggles as, you know, and just to minister and to uh, expound uh, biblical scripture to you. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think especially during this time with, with kind of how uh, there's so much confusion and uh, uncertainty um and even uh even fear i think it's really important to kind of come back to the um what what is the example that christ set for times of uncertainty and and confusion and fear what what is what has christ called us to do and so during these times where we may not know what's around the corner or we may not know um, what's going to happen as soon as we walk out that door? Um, kind of trying to come back to uh, refocusing what our priority is. Is our priority the fear that is brought along with whether it's a it's a virus, sickness, um, political uncertainty, whatever the case might be? refocusing what our priorities are. Is it about that? Or should we remain focused on Christ and focus on the sufficiency of Christ and what he did for us? And so I think that's kind of what uh, what this con these conversations that we're going to have is about, is just focusing on the sufficiency of Christ so that that fear and confusion and uncertainty is washed away by the magnitude of Christ, so I I, I think that's kind of uh, kind of the purpose of, of these conversations. And I guess uh, to I guess maybe if anyone have any, has any questions, like I guess what I would ask, probably what some people are asking is um, why is it better. Like in these times where there's so many worries, so many things that can distract us, you know, what is, I guess, the freedom when it comes to focusing, like I'm put, like despite everything, I'm going to focus on Christ, knowing that I have my worries. What does that lead to? Yeah, um, I think that refocusing uh, our, our eyes, kind of, kind of fixing our eyes on Christ. It, it, it leads us to 
to focus on what he's called us to do. And when we work out what he's called us to do, everything else takes a back seat. And so, uh, you know, the, these past couple couple of weeks, this last, uh, what, it's been a month or two now, um, that we've been going through in, in our own church, um, the book of First John. And, and it's most widely known be, for being uh, a book about love. Um, but ultimately, it's a book about the faithfulness of Christ to his bride. And so when we, when we focus our eyes on Christ and we, we see the things he's done for us, in turn, it, it just makes us want to do what he's called us to do, which is, again, going back to the book of First John, it, it outlines what it is he's called us to do, which is love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love each other. That, that is what he's called us to do. And in those two things, he is glorified, which is the ultimate purpose and goal of life, you know? Um, and when we, when we focus on that work, everything else takes a back seat. Everything else is no longer a priority. And that fear and confusion is completely washed away because we now, we now know, hey, uh, like uh, 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 Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So if I'm living and if I get sick or I get hurt or I know I'm going to die, that's okay because that is exactly what Christ went through when he was here on earth. Or on the other end, if I do die, it is gain because I now get to spend eternity with Christ. And so this, this fear of, you know, of the uncertainty of what is outside our four little walls is now so insignificant compared to the magnitude of who Christ is. Yes. So, and, and like in, in these times, like we've been talking about it, like at, and when we got together with family also that, it's very easy to get sucked into the information, what's being brought up, and, you know, everything that's coming in with new developments and everything. And the thing is, like, we talked about it, like, to not get focused in, like, what is the latest news? What have I heard? Like, to get as many facts as you can, as in it's, it's very easy to be sucked in by fear. And to treat it as something when, like, yes, there is that worry, but then it's like, hey, this is happening. Let me go look at, like, let me extend the council and see what information is there. That way I can get a good consensus of what is, like, just someone's opinion, what is fact, and what are the real facts. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think you, you bring up a good point in, in saying that... We shouldn't rely on man's opinion um, uh, as far as what they believe is either the best thing to do or their opinion on what is going on. Because we know, again, when we look at Scripture, we know that man is not infallible. We know that man is going to mess up. It's going to happen. It's It's inevitable, right? We, we know that we are inherently sinners. 
And so if we place our trust on, on flesh and blood, it's going to fail us. And so we need to say, okay, you know what? Instead of putting, building my house on the sand, I need to build my house with a better foundation. And what is the ultimate foundation? We know it's Christ. And so that, that also brings me to another point that when those of us that have maybe begun our foundation in Christ and started building our house and we see our brother who is building their house on the sand, what is our obligation? What does Christ call us to do? And we mentioned it earlier, which was love God and love each other, right? And so in that, we know that we not only should help our neighbor, but we have an obligation. And if we, if we go real quick to the, uh, to the book of Romans, um, the book of Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, uh, and, and I've referenced this scripture a couple of times, but it's especially right now, it is so, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, like, it's, it, it goes so well with what's going on right now. Um, and so uh, Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 2, it says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And so if, if we think about the context of, of Romans and what, you know, Paul was trying to, to accomplish in that book. We know that he was ministering to the Gentiles. He was ministering to the people that, that anybody who wasn't a Jew. And so he's explained to them salvation and, and, and how that comes about and what Christ did for us. And then we come to chapter 15 where now he's, ta- he's not only talking about what Christ did for us, but now what is our role after knowing that Christ is on our side? Okay, now Christ has extended his arm down in love. Now what is our our role? We just read it. We have an obligation to love our neighbor more than ourselves. Not should we, not maybe I, I will tomorrow or next week. No, we have an obligation to help the weak now to build him up so that we can come together arm in arm and glorify Christ together side by side, not to lord over him that, oh, I'm stronger than you, you're weaker than I am, let me help you. No, that, that that's the wrong idea. It's to build him up, to put your neighbor above yourself and and glorify Christ when you stand together. And, and I like how you bring that up because... When it says weak and the strong, it doesn't mean that someone is strong all the time. Mm-hmm. That it's 100% this person is always going to be better than you. No, because we all have strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, exactly. And just like we have, like, hey, I'm weak in this area and you're helping me. You're going to be weak in one area. I may help you or you may have a time where you're not feeling as strong and I'm there to, to build you up. The same thing here, like in this time where it, 
the main thing is uh, looking out for number one, everyone for themselves is the yeah. main thing taught by the world, by every everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, the I guess the thing that we should be doing as Christians is fighting against that within ourselves and, like you said, encouraging each other, ministering to each other, you know, whatever we have, we should be being able to extend that to someone else too. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I completely agree that nobody is going to be strong 100% of the time and nobody's going to be weak 100% of the time as in, in human terms, right? Because obviously we know that, uh, like we said earlier, we we are inherently weak uh, compared to Christ, yes. to the perfection of who he is. Um, but as far as um, helping each other and building each other up, uh, at one point or another, one of us is going to be strong and the other is going to be weak. And then roles are going to reverse the next day. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a great point because, uh, again, it's not so that, uh, again, like it says in Romans, it's not so that anyone can boast but it is so that we can boast in the person of Christ and his righteousness. Because who did that for us? It was Christ that said, I'm doing this and we're the whole, like, no, I want to be safe. I want to be protected. I don't want to get sick. And Christ is the one going like, hey, I'm giving you cure. I'm giving. I'm providing for you food, shelter, everything. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also important to note, um, also in the book of First John, uh, I, I, I believe it's in uh, chapter 2, where it talks about um, how we are in darkness. And not only are we in darkness, but we love our darkness. And I think that it's so easy to fall into that trap right now with uh, everything that's going on, um, focusing on that doom and gloom, uh, apocalyptic um, tragedy story. It's so easy to fall into that trap and focus on it because we inherently love darkness. We, we love being in the dark. We love being blind. And the Bible says when you walk in darkness, you don't have love. That, that, that's what it says in, in, in uh, uh, 1 John chapter 2. Um, when you walk in darkness, you don't have love. And if you don't have love, we know that Christ is love. So when you walk in darkness, you don't have Christ. But once... Christ extends his arm down to love us. His light fills the entire room and that darkness is no more. And we now can can see our filthiness. We can see our great need for him. So instead of focusing on all of this fear and, because it's it's so easy to do it, we need to focus on Christ so that we can now realize our great need for him and in turn he is further glorified in that and one thing that we want to do to build to build you up and and to encourage you is yes we're in this time it was worse it was worse in the beginning when all this started but now we've gone to a point where yes we're still like cautious but we're not as worried which is good because like an example of what Christ did is, uh, I think I have it here. We were talking about it in First King, where there is a widow, and Elijah went to minister to her. Like God told him to go over there to minister to her, and 
her in her response, like her in her mind, like she had basically nothing left, and her response when Elijah was, you know, like I'm coming, can you please make something for me? I'm really hungry, and she was saying, I don't have anything left. I'm just gonna make my last meal. I'm she's like treating it as like. Like I'm gonna like we're gonna make our last meal, then we're gonna die. Like we've given up, yeah. and that's what some people, you know, like this sickness is out there, and like I'm preparing myself that this is the end of the world, and like that's not the case because you're like we have a lot of provisions. We have you know like people are struggling, yes, but just because this these times are happening doesn't mean that people are gonna drop dead right there. Yeah, definitely. And and that's a great um, uh, passage of scripture to bring up uh, when, when, when Elijah um, goes to this woman. This woman is ready to die. She has completely given in to that doom and gloom. She's completely given in to the fear and confusion and uncertainty. She's ready to go out. And, and does she have a right to? Yes, she had nothing. And here comes this guy and says, hey, that thing that the, the very last bit of what you have, give it to me. And, and, and not only give it to me, but make me something extravagant like a cake. And it, it, that's, we can be easily be in that situation where maybe, you know, we, we're struggling because, um, you know, we haven't been able to go to work. Um, for the last couple of weeks, or, you know, I don't have enough money to, to buy my groceries, or uh, even just the simple fact of the, the, the fear of getting sick. Um, these things can easily kind of turn our focus from Christ. But then we know that, that Christ comes in and snaps us out of it and says, no, hey, hold on. Your role, your job is to glorify me. And in turn, I'm going to take care of you. You're, you're not going to want for anything. And so, again, we know from that passage of scripture what happens. She makes him a cake. And afterwards, somehow she still has enough materials to continue making herself food for days. Simply because she was obedient. And, and that's kind of, that that whole idea that Christ is sufficient. And so when we when we continue to glorify him the way he has called us to, and and all this knowing that the only reason that we can love each other and love Christ is because Christ first loved us. I think that's important to know. Exactly. And like this just it looked like it goes back to what you were talking about in first John, because I have hey, if this person is struggling and has nothing what is our obligation as brothers and sisters is, like you said, to love God, love each other, and to know like when someone's struggling, like, hey, let, let's all work together to help this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And work, like, in other words, to love each other and not just love brothers and sisters, but also love our enemies. Love people. Like, you go out and you get food. You go out and do stuff. You know, get just what you need and leave, you know, whatever's needed for someone else who's going to need that. Or even take it a step further. You know 
your own personal church family or your own uh, personal community. Some people are very close to their neighbors or to their friends and family. And, and so you know your personal group. And if you know that somebody's struggling, take it a step further and say, hey, you know what? Today, I know they told me last week that these people are struggling. You know what? I'm going to buy them some eggs and milk or s some bread or wh whatever. I'm going to buy them lunch today. Whatever it is that that we can do to to assist our, our brother or, or our sister, because that's what Christ has called us to do. And, and, and what does that passage of scripture say? That when somebody asks you to go with them a mile, go with them too. If they ask you for your coat, give them all of your clothes, right? That, that's what we're called to do as Christians. And so when even, even if the person is sick, mm -hmm. there's, you can still provide stuff for someone. And like, yes, there is uh, like danger in every sense, but we've made it so that you can be caught. You can still provide for someone and take precautions to not get sick. Yeah, but still, definitely. that person who's sick still needs to be loved, be taken care of. Yeah, and and again, we have this example. What did Christ do when he was faced with the disease that it, it was so scary at the time? Nobody, there was no cure. Nobody knew what to do. The only thing that they knew about it was to exile them. It, it, and what did Christ do? He, he healed them. But not only did he heal them, but he spent time with them. He, he touched them, prayed with them, communicated with them, fellowshiped with them. That was what he did. Now, obviously, us as humans, we're still going to have fear. And, but that doesn't change the fact that just because somebody's sick doesn't mean that we automatically forget about them. No, they still deserve to be proclaimed Christ to. And so, like you said... We have been given abilities to keep ourselves safe and still help our neighbors. And, some, so, and someone who hears this might get the idea we're saying, like, hey, go, you should be the one to go out and start doing stuff, which some people who are older have more complications or are more susceptible. Yes, like, they... We are not saying that they need to be doing that. We are encouraging them to like, like, do what you can. Like, you can gather up supplies. You can help pay for stuff, but you don't need to be the one to do that. We're not saying that yeah, you have to be up there doing that. Definitely not. Yeah. Um, if you have, if you're, if you have, like, the calling and you feel compelled to do it, then yeah, we encourage you. Take precautions. But if you want to do it, then do it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I think it's important to note that. Um, you don't have to go and get coughed on and uh, have all these things happen to you and say, okay, I'm doing this for Christ, uh, because obviously that, that wouldn't be smart. Um, however, you can take precautions and still do these things. You can wear your mask, you can wear your gloves, and do what you need to do, and then go and you, you wash your hands, you, know, you do whatever it is you need to do to sanitize and take care of yourself so that you can continue to do the work of Christ. Or like you said, say, hey, you know what? I heard you need help. I'm going to go drop these things off at your front door or uh, something like that. Or just like people are, have been doing, 
um, just going and saying, okay, I'm from one side of the window to the other. Yeah. Let's pray together. Or even as simple as getting on a Zoom call, FaceTime, uh, whatever it is, there are so many ways to fellowship and proclaim Christ to each other that it, it, it's ridiculous not to do it. Uh, I, I guess, like, to, like, as we're going towards the end of this, like, I would ask you, like, because I know you would do good at explaining it, of when it says to love each other, what does that love look like? What does it, like, mean in, like, loving your neighbor? Yeah, definitely. I, that's a that's a really great question. Um, I think if we were to uh, to look at a scripture, we could go to the book of 1 John, um, and, and we can go ahead and, and, uh, and close up with this. Um, in, in the book of 1 John, starting in verse 1, it says, um, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon, and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was made manifest to us. Verse 3, and here it is. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father, and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And so all that means, all, all that that is to say that when we proclaim Christ to each other, our joy is complete. When, when we proclaim Christ to each other, build each other up like it says in Romans, that is the picture of love. When, when we grab each other by the arm and say, hey, you're struggling right now, but fix your eyes on Christ because he is worthy to be glorified. That is love. When we encourage each other, build each other up for the sake of glorifying Christ. That is that picture of love. That is what what love looks like. Exactly. And we have the perfect example in what Christ did. Exactly. So we encourage you to, you know, minister to each other, love each other, encourage each other, and most of all, stay in connection with the word. Because like Desi had said, Christ is our ultimate picture of what we should be doing and what love looks like. And so in order to get a complete sense of that, which could take, it's beyond our years, just continue to look for Christ in everything and just leaning in on him to love each other. Definitely. Um, we hope you guys are encouraged by um, by the scripture. We uh, we pray that you would not only take our word for it, but also that you would go and and, and research these things in your own Bibles. Uh, spend time uh, like Bibles uh, like uh, uh, Alex said. Uh, spend time in the Word. Uh, spend time uh, in prayer and and see for yourself what Christ. Uh, what God is calling you to do during this time. Uh, and feel free to uh, to reach out to us. Let us know um, down in the comments. Um, scripture, I encourage each other. Um, speak to one another so that you guys may build each other up uh, because we have an obligation and to do And if anyone things. needs ministering, please share this too, that, mm -hmm. if they need it too. Definitely, definitely. 
Well, thank you guys so much for, uh, for listening. Um, we pray that, uh, that God would continue to put in us a desire to, uh, to minister to each other. Um, not just uh, listening, but also going out and doing the work that he's called us to do. Amen. Amen. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys next time.